Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. Now in the wings, a programme in which artists talk about their work and their journey towards performance. Tonight, writer Patrick McCabe, director Joe O'Byrne and actors Nick Dunning and John D. Ruddy chat about working on Pat's play, Brady the Revenant. My name is Pat McCabe, I'm the author of Brady the Revenant. My name is Joe O'Byrne, I'm the director of the play Brady the Revenant by Patrick McCabe. My name is Nick Dunning, I'm playing Brady the Revenant in Brady the Revenant. My name is John D. Ruddy and I'm playing various characters in Brady the Revenant. Well, it's a long time since I wrote The Butcher Boy now and uh, um, it would probably seem curious to people as to why would you revisit this territory seeing as Joe O'Byrne's production of Frank Pigsis Low was a spectacular success in its day and it's quite a long time ago now. But I suppose there was something kind of troubled me about the character in a way in that there was almost a kind of a, a distressing or disturbing kind of... I didn't expect the embrace of the character by people, you know. I thought that uh, it would be, at the very least, ambivalent. But there was something about the way people over the years, was how much they loved this character and how much it changed their lives and everything else, which in one way is flattering and all the rest of it. But... It's not really of any great interest to me in terms of, you know, writing and so on. But when I went back to it, I thought, well, first of all, the landscape in which he operated, the landscape of small-town Ireland has changed beyond recognition in many ways. And we live now in a kind of, I suppose, arguably a godless landscape, which wouldn't have been the case in his time. So almost for my own uh, satisfaction, I began to explore it. And because I'm not a journalist or a critic or anything else, I can only explore it through fiction or through drama. And I sent it to Joe and uh, he he saw the same things in it that I did. And then we just took it from there and it was a kind of very interesting process really because the colours are a lot different to the original play. I mean, obviously I've worked with Pat for quite some time. I mean, the first play I did by Pat was The Frank Pig Says Hello, which was the adaptation of The Butcher Boy. And I remember at the time, initially Pat had talked about doing a one-man version of it and... uh, Thankfully, that isn't what he delivered. He'd written the novel and then wrote a stage adaptation, which, as a standard adaptation, it, it's not. You you couldn't have, if you read the novel, have come up with that particular type of adaptation. And then, quite a number of years later, then he sent me the Brady, the Revenant, as a continuation of that character, which I, I always find a fascinating thing. An author writes a book about a character and then that character is kind of dropped in, like, you know, nowadays in... In television, like we have these long-running series, so you see the evolution of, of characters. Anyone who follows soaps or you know children who are in early in the soaps and they grow up and they're adults in the soap and they're still in it. You find that in Fair City or some of the others. But in this, you have Brady returning to the place of his crime, the crime scene, like many years later, and we don't quite know exactly where he's been, what he's been doing. Uh, we're not even quite sure what his reality is now. Is he real? Is he a ghost? And he's returning to this place where he is a kind of phantom, uh, where he's hearing voices in the real world, in his head. He's hearing all these sounds, some of the sounds that he's hearing from the past, some that are real, some that he's making up. And it is a kind of kind of very haunted place for him. Um, modern Ireland, which has completely changed, as uh, Pat was saying, where the world that, say, Francie Brady knew is kind of disappearing or is being disappeared. And he now returns there... A lost soul. Well, playing Brady and reading the script are rather different things. I think when you read a 
play for the first time, a radio play particularly, you're really looking at words, you know, you're looking at the words on the page and you read it literally in a sort of a dissociated kind of a way. But you start to begin to imagine what it's actually like to and what kind of a voice, what kind of personality we're dealing with. And the further you get into the reading of the play, the more you start to understand that there are a certain set of circumstances that are going on behind the play. And then gradually what happens is it's it's kind of like slightly mystical experience, I think, when you start to read it, particularly with other actors and uh, directors around the table, is it suddenly starts to take on a completely different life force and it becomes incredibly real. When approaching reading a script where you know that you're essentially every other voice, it's an interesting one just trying to be able to create these characters and quite often it could be just one line of dialogue and you have to be able to create that character, create that voice and uh, it's really interesting within that because it's being part of this stream of consciousness and you are those voices that he's hearing but for me personally I, I, I love that kind of stuff, I love exploring different voices, exploring different accents and you know it, it really allows me to enjoy uh, my flexibility as an actor so I've worked with Pat before. Uh, we did a, a film that Pat wrote called The Ballad of Honky McSwain, which is a remarkable piece of work. Which it's we a real shot. mystery story, it's isn't it? It's a real it? mystery story. <laughs> which, in fact, I think probably the last time I saw Pat in association with that film, we were in the middle of some woods at about four in the morning. There were approximately 200 people who had painted lines and stripes all across their face and the woods themselves had little sort of uh, shelves and on these shelves were large cockerels which were standing up there at four in the morning and people were walking around banging various things and showing African drums and African face masks and that's all I'm going to tell you about it. Well, I suppose Clonus, like a lot of towns, you know, it was a very musical place and I don't just mean Irish music, I mean that... Uh, Whenever I think, I think in terms of decades. So sort of, if you're talking about the 30s, this is a whole jukebox of things that accesses your father and mother's generation. That goes right through to our own time. Except when I get to Dizzy Rascal, it starts to dry up. <laughs> <laughs> you mean it gets bonkers? I just don't have it. Yeah. It's just you get it to a certain age and you don't, you can't access music, you know, because you stop listening to popular music in the same way. I think when you get when you have children, usually I think it seems to it seems to happen. Um, I think I know the time when it really stopped. I went to see a U2 concert and I felt in my pocket and pulled out a child's sock out of my hand. I thought this is the wrong place for me, and I sort of shamefacedly went went home. As well. I, just, I, don't, I don't belong, and you know, like. You know, within without you or anything, it just didn't have the same echo anymore after that. So, I mean, Mrs. Nugent uh, certainly in the Butcher Boy stood for kind of a lot of things, and I think certainly what she stood for was the turning of someone like Francie Brady into an outsider. If Francie Brady is the outsider in the town, Mrs. Nugent represents respectability. She represents the kind of aspect of a town that is negative towards somehow the the kind of traditional features or, or the traditional aspects of the of the town she almost is like the west brit she's almost that quality in the town it only occurred to me that ian brady and francie brady shared the same surname a long time after i had written the play and i'd read a book a fam very famous book called beyond belief by emlyn williams and if anyone thinks you know that the the 60s or a time of the Jet Set and the Monte Carlo gang, you know, and uh, Carnaby Street 
princes flouncing around the place. They should really read Beyond Belief because that that was only a small number of people, really. It's one of the greatest books ever written about the 60s because it deals with that particular part of Northern England, you know, of railway closes and sort of uh, back-to-back houses and, you know, grim poverty. And in a strange way, almost Ian Brady's image at that time of the kind of Joe Meek black suit with the kind of thin tie. On one level, it's hip. On another level, it could be an aspect, a dandy devil, you know. And uh, when I realised that they shared the same, I, I began to kind of merge the two because it seemed to kind of be like a grey fog that spread across the UK and Ireland at that time. Kidnappers became a big thing, this dread of the unknown. And... As I say earlier on, you know, trying to investigate, I felt a bit guilty, actually, about the murder, although it's a fictitious one. There was a moral thing. I think that art should be moral, if it can be at all. And I began to question whether I had been a little bit glib about it, you know, because um, particularly at a time when indulgence and moral thinking seemed to be on the wane. You know, atonement certainly is something that belongs to another age. And as we kind of look down our noses at the past and we throw things like that out, well, you know, these are things that art should examine, I think. So that's why I really wrote the play, I suppose. I did live in Leicester for a couple of years, which is in the Midlands. Uh, my mother's from uh, Manchester. So uh, we certainly have, you know, uh, relatives from up north. And, uh, you know, I, ter- I know exactly that that kind of, um, you know, the, the small towns and the brass bands and all that. But I didn't really, I didn't really live there. Uh, but I certainly know it well, yeah. Spent a lot of early childhood up there in the Lake District around there, yeah. Balbriggan is actually where I met Pat, in fact, because Pat was living there for a while as you were a teacher there. I was teaching there, yeah. And so our kind of that's when we started kind of discussing um, doing various projects together. I think our initial idea was we'd be doing a film, um, but we never quite got around to doing that one. We certainly um, have done a number of stage plays together. The countryside, our towns, are our, our small towns, they are changing in lots of different ways. Balbriggan is kind of quite different because it's um, kind of a satellite town of Dublin, essentially, and has grown enormously over the last 10, 15 years, whereas Clonus might have diminished in population. But Reagan has had a large influx of immigrants. And so it's kind of, it's becoming our multicultural town, a kind of almost like uh, the Brixton of County mm. Dublin, you know. Mm. I'm from Letterkenny. And it actually flourished after the, the the borders went up. Everybody stopped going into Derry and went into went into Letterkenny, uh, at least when it was tough to cross the border. Um, but that idea of losing its identity very much has been uh, a big part, especially during the Celtic Tigers years, where it just seemed like the main street of Letterkenny, there was more and more buildings being knocked down and these big new concrete ones being put up. And, and there's hardly an original building on Letterkenny Main Street now, and a lot of people would be just going, where, where has the town that we've known gone? You know, it's it's no longer there. Almost like it's a it's a the town is a ghost of itself. Um, you know, you're you're walking down the same street, but it's not the town that you know. You know, it's it's become something else. Well, I think it was Tyrone Guthrie in the forties and fifties was that he was astonished at how little Irish people cared about conservation. You know, astonished. He could not, and any time he brought it up. He was poo-pooed or derided, whereas in Britain have the National Trust and all these things. And understandably, it takes money to set up these things up. But if nobody cares and still don't care, Mm. that's a serious problem. And, you know, if these towns are disappearing right, left and centre, there's no point in 20 or 30 years whinging about it because you can't blame anyone except ourselves. Mm. Well, will Brady do it again? My instinct is to say probably... 
But you don't know. There's always hope. There's always hope. That was In the Wings. You heard the voices of writer Patrick McCabe, director Joe O'Byrne and actors Nick Dunning and John D. Ruddy chat about working on Pat's play, Brady the Revenant. Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on One.